Hi, good morning, SVC. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to see all of you. And if you haven't found a seat yet, come on in and do so. We have much to celebrate this morning, and uh, we have much to be grateful for. And uh, we are going to, to celebrate that and celebrate those things. The fact that God is faithful, the fact that God uh, provides and meets our every needs that he, need, that he is gracious and powerful and awesome and forgiving and merciful. Uh, we could make a list. We could all sit down here for the rest of the day with a legal pad and a, and a, and a big pen and, and make a list of everything that we're grateful for, right? Amen. So uh, let's worship the Lord together. Here we go. Praise Him. Let's sing it. Praise Him, you stars above, galaxies all in motion. Praise Him, you thunderclouds, ringing throughout the heavens. From every mountain top to every wild ocean, oh, hear all the universe. Sing praise. Let's sing it. Oh, sing praise. Let everything that breathes, let all the earth proclaim. Great is the Lord our God. Praise Him forever. Let all that is within me magnify His name. Great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever. Praise Him forever. Praise Him. Praise Him, you beating heart. Sing for the life He's given. Praise Him, you rescued one. Join in the sound of heaven From every mountain top To every wild ocean Oh, hear all the universe Sing praise Oh, sing praise Let everything that breathes Let all the earth proclaim Great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever. Let all that is within me magnify His name. Great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever. Sing it again, praise Him. Praise Him forever. Praise you. Amen. He is so worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to get our hands together. This is very important. On the two and the four. Okay? One, two, three, four. One, two, three. You got it. 
This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I will complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. We give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. When I was down, you brought me out. Set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. Your faithfulness, my solid rock. Let's give thanks together. Give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is one is one we haven't done in quite some time. We first introduced it back in the covered wagon days, <laughs> the 90s, uh, when it was first written. And it has um, been a longtime favorite of mine, and I think it expresses um, uh, gratitude, ultimately, for one of the most in my opinion, one of the most important attributes of, of God. They're all important. But, um, you know, if there's any shred of faithfulness in you and me, it's because of our faithful God. Amen. You know, uh, as, we made, as we make a list of, of uh, as we pull out those legal pads and those big pens and make a list of everything that we're grateful for, I'm sure that we could equally um, uh, write down how we've seen God show his faithfulness in our lives and in our church. And so this is um, a, a offering of worship and praise for God's faithfulness. Um, and I hope it encourages you. Here we go. 
you for that for so many reasons. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat for a moment. I'd like to do one song uh, for you and with you uh, just by myself for a second. This is a song that uh, has meant a lot to me for many years. Uh, It was originally written and recorded by Stephen Curtis Chapman. And it is a song that has especially meant a lot to me over the last several months through the diagnosis and the treatment and ultimately the healing of cancer. So uh, I hope it encourages you as it has me. As I look back on this road I've traveled I've seen so many times It's carried me through If there's one thing I have learned In my life My Redeemer Is faithful and true My Redeemer Is faithful and true Everything he has said he will do. 
Every morning His mercy is on you My Redeemer is faithful and true My heart rejoices when I read the promise There is a place I'm preparing for you If there's one thing I have learned in my life My Redeemer is faithful and true My Redeemer is faithful and true Everything He has said He will do Every morning His mercy And in every situation, He has proved His love for me. When I lack the understanding, He gives more grace to me. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said, He will do. Every morning, My Redeemer is faithful and true. Jesus is faithful and true. Praise God. much, Matt, for that beautiful song. Thank you, worship team. Um, Good morning, everybody. My name is Faith. I want to welcome you today to Solano Valley Church. Welcome to everyone on Facebook and YouTube Live. We're so glad that you're here virtually. Um, It is a beautiful morning. So here at SBC, we believe it's really important for us to connect and grow together and find community and to really seek that out. So I'm going to explain a couple of ways that we encourage connection here at SBC. The first is through our connection groups. So these are like Bible studies that you can go to. And so we have a couple going on, or we have one going on right now. My dad is leading a men's group on Monday nights. And so you're always welcome to join. You don't have to start from the beginning. It's never too late to join. And then I believe Carolyn is going to be starting one as well for our women. So we got something for everybody. And then another way that we like to encourage uh, connection is through service uh, here at the church. And so there's several different things that you can do if you're interested. If you're into technology, we always need help with the sound booth. Or if you like kids and more colorful things, we can totally use help in the kids' ministry. And um, it's a really great opportunity. So if you want more information, you can always download our SVC app. It's on the App Store or it's on Google Play. And you can go ahead and go on there. And it's just SVC app and click on groups or on serving. And then you can see more information about all those and get in contact with the right people. 
I also want to let you know about our revival prayer that's going to be tonight at 6.30. And this is a great opportunity for connecting together in uh, praying for our community, for our nation, and um, really doing what the Lord has called us to do and being in prayer and faithful together. So this is going to be a really nice night. And so, again, that's tonight at 6.30 here at the church. And so right now, uh, we have the honor and the privilege to worship the Lord with giving. We believe it's an act of worship because we do it uh, for him and to glorify him. And we do it as a a sacrifice to uh, help our community and help the mission of the church. And we can uh, help make disciples and um, see lives change through the the Lord. And so um, it's a really great uh, act of worship that we can do. And I just want to thank everybody who gives already for your um, generous gifts. So we have a few ways of doing it. Uh, First, you can go online at www.solanovalley.org forward slash giving. And then uh, second, you can tap give on the SBC app and that'll take you where you need to go. You can also text give G-I-V-E to 707-883-3019. And uh, finally, if you're here in person, you can always go to the silver slot in the back over there, and you can always uh, put in a hand check or whatever into the back slot there. So I just want to thank you again for your gifts and thank everybody for being here. And I'll go ahead and welcome up Pastor Gary to finish his uh, sermon on the Gospel of John. All right. Hey, uh, so good to see you guys. Uh, I don't know. Where do I put this? I need a place. All right. Okay, Facebook people, YouTube people, I disappeared, but I'm back, okay? Uh, So, hey, I don't know about you guys. This morning has been very, very interesting for me. I mean, first of all, it just kind of, I really start off fantastic just being able to listen to the blend of of Joy's and Elsa's and Matt's voices together. Uh, It's just been a while since we've been able to have that. Uh, Just super, you know, joyful and glad and thankful that Matt is able to begin to lead worship with us again. He's, isn't that great? Isn't that great? And I, I don't know about you guys, but that song that our God is faithful and true, I mean, that really, I mean, you, 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 y'all don't need a sermon today. I mean, that, let's close in prayer. That, that's it. Our God is faithful and true. And, you know, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, and the thing is, is this isn't just, you know, I think when you can sing that song, I feel like, uh, sorry, coming through the season that uh, the Skinner family has come through, um, that for me is powerful. You know, it's easy to sing a song like that when everything's going well. It is. And uh, but when you sing that song and that song carries you through times, uh, hard times, uh, that's another thing. Uh, So I'm not sure how to transition to what I was going to do next. So I'll just tell you, uh, we're we're going through a joyful time right now. Okay, Uh, we're we're getting a a new daughter. Okay, Uh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. It is official as of um last night about i don't know it was 8 or 8:30 i don't know when Caleb finally popped <laughs> popped the question and when i say finally popped the question i mean there were several of us who were going to ask for Caleb if he didn't get around to it <laughs> and so uh 
So anyway, uh, but Jessica, Jessica McClarty, many of y'all have met Jessica. She's been here, hopefully, worship before. Uh, when Peter comes, Peter Newman comes from time to time, leads us in worship. Uh, Jessica is a part of their worship team over at Creekside. And just wonderful spirit, really loves Jesus, loves to worship. Beautiful woman, beautiful voice, beautiful person. And so we're, we just couldn't be happier. Um, uh, that, that being said, you know, seriously, I, I, I started to make this comment earlier, and I didn't say this, is the truth is on any given Sunday morning, we all come and we all bring different kinds of distractions with us. We do, okay? There are mental distractions or distractions of the heart, and sometimes they're really, really good things that we are celebrating, that we are joyful for, and then sometimes there are things that are very, very difficult and painful for us. And, and then sometimes in life... There is a mix of joy and pain all at the same time. This is part of the human experience. And so today, wherever you're at in your experience, whatever you're facing, uh, maybe you are coming through, maybe for you, you're in a time that's, that's very, very difficult. You know, you're facing a challenge that's not going to go away anytime soon. Or maybe you're struggling with disappointment, maybe with yourself, maybe with God. Or, or maybe you're in this place of great joy, but wherever you're at, I want you to know that you are welcome in this church. You don't have to pretend like you've got it all figured out and you got it all together, because if that were true, you would be Jesus, okay? Uh, but, you know, wherever you're at, I want you to know you're welcome, and you're welcome to be in the place that you're in. Uh, what we are about as a church, I probably don't say this enough, I probably should say this a lot more, but what we are about as a church is inviting people to follow Jesus, and by that, what I mean is inviting people to follow Jesus. Uh, you will never, never do anything better in your life than follow Jesus and invite others to follow him with you. Because when people follow Jesus, just incredibly good things happen in their lives. Uh, their sins are forgiven. They find hope. They find meaning. They find purpose, sometimes even in pain, but they find that. And so that's what we're about as a church, is inviting people to follow Jesus. And our, our uh, strategy is to, is to worship, grow, serve, and reach. And by this we mean we want to worship God in all that we do. And, and that means not just attending a worship service, but worshiping God as a service. But not just worshiping God as a service in a worship service, but worshiping God in every part of our lives, in all things, putting him first. But we want to worship God in all that we do. We want to grow in Christ day by day. We don't want to just attend church maybe once a week or whatever, but we want every day to be a new step forward in following Jesus and, and really growing in Christ. And then to serve, that we want to serve others over ourselves. And, and I really believe that we are most like Jesus when we give our lives to serve others. Uh, and then finally, to reach, that we want to reach our community, our world, one person at a time. Um, you know, when I was on vacation recently, I was really wrestling with what that was going to look like for me. Because for so long, I've been involved in our community in so many different ways. Uh, and some of those things that I've been involved in, some of those things that went sideways and blew up. You know, like my involvement with Mission Solano, you know. Good things happened. Good things happened. But then it ended up dissolving. And I was on the board at the time. It felt like huge failure on my part. 
because I felt like, you know, I should have been a part of helping us to turn things around. I wasn't able to do that. And so, you know, so for me, I kind of felt like I lost a part of how I'd been reaching out in our community. And then for so many years, I've been involved in reaching out in our community just by being involved with my kids, like in their sporting programs and stuff like that. But now my kids aren't kids. They're all young adults, and they're not, you know, they're not running track and cross country at Rodriguez or, you know, doing soccer or, you know, all the baseball, all these other things that they've done in the past. And so what I did when I was on, uh, I've been praying for open doors for the gospel. And so when I was on vacation, I really felt like God was saying, I kept saying, God, what do you want me to do? And, and I just kind of felt like God says, do something, do something. And, you know, I, I heard this guy say this one time. I can't remember his name, but he wrote this book. And, and um, he, he's, a, he's a business professor at, at Harvard uh, Business School. But he, he said this, when you don't know what to do, you're, you want to be like Indiana Jones and you're in a pit, okay, where you're going to die. And, and so what do you do is you kind of step forward and you don't know if it's a good step or not, but you step it, you test it. If it's good, then you shift your weight and then you take the next step. Okay, and and that's kind of what you do. So I thought, you know, my next step is uh, on Thursdays, I'm going to give three hours of my day every Thursday and I'm going to go over to um, the, the Groves Apartments over at Tabor, East Tabor in Sunset. And what I've been doing is I've been going there serving with Eleven and it's been so much fun being surrounded by all these little kids, uh, most of them from Hispanic background. And, uh, and it's been really fun just to be able to play with them and tell them about Jesus. And I don't know where this is taking me or where I'm going, but the, the point I wanted to get back to is that our mission as a church is to invite people to follow Jesus and that our strategy is to worship, grow, serve, and reach. So if you, you know, this is what we're about, and I just feel like from time to time I need to highlight that, and I felt like today was a good day for that. Um, we're going to be looking at John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. For those of you uh, who have not been with us, we've been working our way through the gospel of John. Last week, we finished up kind of a mini-series on John chapter 6. I think I spent four weeks there. And the reason I did was because I believed it was a pivotal sermon by Jesus in the gospel of John. It, that is very important. We're skipping over at chapter 7 only because uh, Dan Mickela brought us a message from there Uh, a few weeks ago, but we're going to take two weeks to look at John 8, and uh, we're not going to look at every verse in the chapter, but we're going to focus on two very important themes in the chapter. So John chapter 8, and uh, and I'm going to read for us uh, verses 12 through 20. What the Bible says is this. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, Well, I'm going to start talking now. (laughs) You need to be careful to say Jesus said, and then you start saying something different, okay? Uh, Jesus is in the temple. He's close to the temple treasury. He's speaking to the people. The last time we were listening to the words of Jesus, we were in chapter 6, and he was in Galilee. Different place, different place. the time frame, not sure exactly what the time frame is, how much longer after that this is, but we do know it's somewhere close to the time of the Feast of Booths, probably shortly after that. And so what happens in John chapter 8 is just understand this. Anybody like arguments? Anybody like arguments, quarrels? Do you like to listen to, you, if you're a parent, do you love listening to your children quarrel? No, 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 no. Okay, so this is, there's a lot of quarreling. In John chapter 8. 
Okay? There's a lot of quarreling. In fact, it's not just a single conversation. It's actually several conversations that happen over at least three different uh, time frames, but they cover a common theme, and that's why John groups them together. Okay? And so in John chapter, and, and understand that this conflict in John chapter 8 didn't begin in John chapter 8. It began in John chapter 5. It began in John chapter 5, and, and, and uh, the Jews were really upset with Jesus for healing a man who had been lame for 38 years. 38 years, not able to walk. And they were upset because Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. Jesus offended their tradition. He offended their tradition. Uh, we see a little bit of conflict in chapter 6. In fact, at the end of chapter 6, it says this about Jesus. In John 6, 60, it says, it says, after Jesus had preached to them about being the bread of the life, being the bread of life, it says that the people said to Jesus, this is a hard message. And then in verse 66, it says, many of his disciples were no longer following him. Very fascinating. Some of you know who Chuck Swindoll is. And Chuck Swindoll talks about in his exposition of the Gospel of John that this is one of the dangers of what has been called in many circles seeker-friendly ministry. Is that sometimes trying to be friendly and how we present the teachings of Jesus, we stay away from the hard teachings. Sometimes in the pursuit of gathering a larger and larger crowd, if we're not careful, we stay away from those parts of the scriptures that are really hard. I understand this. I've done this, okay? Uh, In my first few years as a pastor, a lot of my preaching was topical. And I began to recognize in myself, I was preaching all the topics that I wanted to preach and avoiding all the topics I didn't want to. And so I said, I have to shift. I have to change the way I preach the scriptures, I have to go back to the way I heard Scripture taught when I was a kid, and I really need to begin to teach books of the Bible. Because when you do that, you can't avoid the hard teachings of Jesus. In verse 66 of John 6, it said many of his disciples were no longer following him. And then in chapter 7, we read that even his own brothers did not believe in him. And it says repeatedly in John 7 that they were seeking to kill Jesus. So when I'm talking about arguing and quarreling, I'm talking about a seething anger, wrath, hatred of Jesus because he offended their religion. Because he offended their religion. That's our context. John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. It's not true. You're a liar, a deceiver. The Pharisees challenged him. 
Excuse me, verse 14. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea. You have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. You judge, literally, in the Greek, according to the flesh. I pass judgment on no one. By the way, Jesus comes... First time, the Savior and Redeemer. He comes again. He comes again. Judge. Judge of all mankind, the living and the dead. Uh, I judge. Uh, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? This is a really interesting question. I'm going to explain this to you in a moment. Where is your father? Uh, Jesus replies, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Very, very interesting. As you're reading through the Gospel of John, uh, you know, it's really good to read large sections of Scripture, like several chapters at a time, and read them repeatedly. Because what happens when you begin to read large sections of Scripture and you begin to read them repeatedly, you begin to see words or you begin to see phrases that are used again and again and again. So, for example, in the Gospel of John, you're going to read the word believe or believing or believes. You're going to see that around 90 to 100 times. It's been a while since I counted, but it's between 90 and 100 times. You're going to see the word signs. And by signs, it means a miracle, but it's a miracle that points to something significant. That's why John always calls them signs, while the other Gospel writers will refer to them as miracles. But it refers to as signs again and again and again. And when we get to the end of John chapter uh, at at the end of the Gospel of John in chapter 20, and those of you who've been here for a while, you've heard this, is that the whole purpose that John wrote the Gospel of John, John says, he says, These, uh, there are many other signs which Jesus performed in the presence of his witnesses, which are not in this book, but these are written in order that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, meaning eternal life, in his name. But you begin to see these words that are used repeatedly, and you begin to see themes that are used repeatedly. And you see phrases that are used repeatedly. And so you'll see this phrase, his hour had not yet come. You see it the first time in John chapter 2. Jesus is in Cana. He's at a wedding. They run out of wine at the wedding. That stinks. We had an engagement party last night. They had... They ran out of wine, too. No, just kidding. They ran out of lemonade. Uh, you know, and that stinks, too. You know, you run out of lemonade. You run out of wine. And, and so the mother of Jesus comes to Jesus and says they have no wine. And Jesus responds, my hour has not yet come, Mom. And then he provides wine, turns water into wine. 
But over and over again, it talks about his hour had not yet come. And usually when it talks about this, it talks about it when they're seeking to arrest him or they're seeking to kill him. Uh, And then those of us who know the story, you know his hour does come. And it's the hour of his sacrifice. Um, Jesus said this in verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light, light is, or what we would call visible light, is, uh, it's a, a, it's electromagnetic radiation. I didn't know that. I had to look it up on Wikipedia. It's electromagnetic radiation, and it falls within the portion of the spectrum that we can see. Now, there's light that we can't see, like, some kinds of infrared or ultraviolet light that we cannot see. So light has a broader spectrum, but there's the light that we see. It travels at a speed of 186,000 miles a second. That's really fast, okay? Really, really fast. Uh, Our planet's primary source of light, the sun. Uh, For us, uh, we have all kinds of lights around us everywhere. I was driving last night from Galt, where Jessica's parents live, back to Fairfield, and I was just kind of paying attention to all the different kinds of lights around us and what those lights do. I mean, obviously, they lights illuminate things for us, but sometimes lights signal us. So you'll see blue lights, and if it's in your rearview mirror, it's bad news, Okay. So uh, there are lots of different kinds of lights. Sometimes light feels like a friend. Sometimes light, in that case, may not feel like a friend. But there are lights all around us. In the ancient world, the primary source of light, other than the sun, was fire. So at night, if you wanted to read or you wanted to have a conversation with someone, you would light a lamp. And the fire of the lamp would light your house. And Jesus says he is... The light of the world. The themes of light and darkness are woven throughout the Gospel of John and his other books as well that John wrote. Uh, You know, one of my most interesting experiences of light and darkness came when I was 16 years old. Uh, I was, uh, we were up in, we had been uh, hiking up in, um, in, uh, where's that place? Uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. And we were in a place called Indo Valley. Now, I don't remember the altitude of Indo Valley, but if it's somewhere probably around, because Estes Park is around 7,000 feet, so we're probably at eight or 9,000 feet in altitude, which is fairly high, okay? It's a lot higher than here. So high altitude, and I remember it was me and one of my buddies, his name was Chuck, and we were out there, and it was dark, <laughs> so dark. Uh, there was no, you know, when you drive on the freeway and you get between cities, uh, you can still see the glow of a city in front of you or you can see the glow of a city behind you. But in this place, we saw no glow of any cities anywhere. There was no human-made light of any kind. There was no car light on. There was no porch light on. There was no, in fact, where we were at was so secluded, you could not see a campfire. You could not see any kind of light anywhere. Now, in our world, we're constantly surrounded by light. So we, we kind of 
forget how dark things can really be. So we're up in this valley and we're just, and, and it's just, I, I am like, uh, I've been in dark places before my, where my grandparents lived. They lived outside of Palestine, Arkansas. And Palestine is a, it's, it's a huge city of about 600 people. And when you live outside of a town of 600 people, that means you are like in the middle of nowhere. So I'd been in dark places, but this is the first time I remembered being in a place where I saw no light of any kind of a human source. And then I looked up into the sky. And I saw the Milky Way like I have never seen it before. There was no moon that night. And so the Milky Way lit up the sky in a way that was truly amazing to me. It was otherworldly. Because it was so different from the world that I live in and lived in. And I remember looking and I remember seeing all these stars. And I was just overwhelmed. I just stared transfixed at the sky. The themes of light and darkness, it's not particular just to the Bible. We see it everywhere. The first thing that God created in John chapter 1, and I want to read the first four verses for you of John chapter 1, but the very first thing, because I want you to see that, and then I want you to see the first five verses of the Gospel of John, but, but in talking about light and darkness, in, in, in Genesis chapter, the first thing that God created is light. Light. That's the first thing he created. And in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, in the beginning... Remember those words in the beginning? Because John's going to say the same thing when he starts the Gospel of John. In the beginning, God created the heavens. What I was just telling you about. And the earth. Uh, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. When John begins his gospel, he begins with very similar language, but different. When John begins his gospel, the gospel of John, we begin to see that light is going to be a major theme. Not immediately, but when we get to verse 5. And so in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, John writes this. He says, in the beginning was the Word. By the way, that's Jesus. He is the human expression of of the fullness of God. He is fully God, fully man. God's perfect communication of himself to you and me. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God meaning God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And the Word was God, fully God in every way, having all the attributes of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Absolute, complete awesomeness. Completely holy. Completely love. 
completely powerful. Greater than any power we can ever imagine. Greater than anything we can really even fathom. Was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Meaning there was a never time, never a time that, that, that Jesus was not. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth and all that they contain. Without Him, nothing was made that's been made. In Him was life. There's life in Jesus. In Him was life, and the life was, get this, the light of all mankind. He is the only one, the one and only light of all people everywhere. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus wins, people. He's winning right now. Regardless of everything that's happening in our world, regardless of things that we see happening in our country, the anger, the resentment, the frustration over things like COVID and race and, and all these other issues, politics, all this stuff, Jesus overcomes. And he's coming again. And he will reign forever. As important as everything in your life feels right now, Jesus is more important. He is more important than your career. He is more important than your next appointment. He's more, he's more important than my bike ride I hope to go on this afternoon. Jesus is awesome. He is the light shining in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. In John chapter 3, John continues to develop the theme of light and darkness. This is what he says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people have loved darkness. By the way, he's talking about religious people here. He just got through. Jesus just had a conversation with a religious leader called the teacher of Israel, Nicodemus. Sometimes religious people imagine that darkness looks like irreligion. And sometimes it does. But sometimes darkness looks like religion. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. By the way, there are two kinds of evil. There's irreligious evil, and there is religious evil. This is the reason uh, a couple weeks ago I was riding my bike and ran into this guy, and I think I told you all a little bit about him. And we were up on the top of Twin Sisters. I was stopped catching my breath, and and we were talking, and, and... Uh, you know, he told me that he was just kind of turned off by organized religion. And I said, you know what? I totally get it. I think Jesus was too. Um, It's all kinds of evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. 
in John chapter 8, people are hating Jesus because he is the light. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever comes by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. By the way, everything we do is done in the sight of God. Even if we think we are under the cover of darkness. John doesn't finish with this theme of light here or in John 8, but he continues this theme as he writes a series of letters to churches in, in the ancient world. And in one of those letters in John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, John writes these words, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, with God, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That's good news. That's the good news that everybody has who walks in the light. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. This is, again, I'm going back to John chapter 8. Sorry, I'm doing a little Bible hopscotch today. In John 8, Jesus says, uh, he says this, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. You get this? Whoever follows me. Whoever follows. He doesn't say whoever goes to church. Yeah, I think we should go to church. I do. I really do. I think we should come here for the purpose of worshiping God. I do. I believe we should do that. I think we should come here for the purpose of pursuing fellowship and rich connection with one another. I believe we should do all that. But going to church doesn't mean we're following Jesus. You can go to church religiously, as many of the Jews went to synagogue and the temple, religiously, but not follow Jesus. By the way, I really think we should read the Bible. I really do. But you can read the Bible religiously, toxically, but not follow Jesus. Jesus said to this group of guys that he was dealing with here, later he says to them, he says, or maybe it's harder, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he says, you search the scriptures. You search the scriptures. And these are the scriptures that speak of me, yet you do not believe. See, a person can... Do all kinds of right and good things religiously and walk in darkness. Did you know that? I've done this. There's the toxicity of living your life lawlessly 
like in lawlessness, like I live by my own rule, by my own set of rules. That's toxic. But you can also live your life legalistically, religiously, toxically. Jesus wants us to do something very, very different from that. He wants us to follow him. The point of the text that I want to drive at is that Jesus is the light of the world. And the person who follows him will not walk in darkness. The question is, are we following Jesus? Let me share with you four points of application real quick, and I'll tie this up if I can. Four points of application. Number one, we need spiritual light, and we need spiritual life. Okay, I told the little story about being in the Indo Valley, the beauty of light and darkness. Let me tell you another story of light and darkness that, well, just isn't as fun. I was a little kid. I, I don't remember how old I was, but I was just a little guy. Woke up in the middle of the night. I was thirsty. Didn't have a glass of water on my nightstand. So what did I do? I, I get up and I'm going to go walk into the kitchen and get a glass of water. I am so groggy. I am so sleepy. I want to be in bed. I want to be asleep. But I also want water more. But I don't want to turn on any lights. So what I did is I chose to walk in darkness. Have you ever walked in darkness? I chose to walk in darkness. It seemed more pleasant to me than walking in the light. I was walking in darkness. Walking in darkness, barefoot. And my little toe came into contact with an immovable object. And, you know, this searing pain went screaming through my little toe into my foot, up my leg, up into my chest, out my throat and mouth in a big whale, okay? And I still felt miserable. I was walking in darkness. I needed to walk in light, and we need spiritual light, and we need spiritual life. By the way, spiritual life is what happens and what we have when we're born again. That's John chapter 3. So we need spiritual light, and we need spiritual life. Number two, when people refuse to believe in and follow Jesus, they walk in spiritual darkness. When people refuse to believe in and follow Jesus, they walk in spiritual darkness. I have found this to be true. When people are not willing to believe in God, when people are not willing to believe in Jesus, when people are not willing to believe in the Word of God, the Bible, I have found that people are willing to believe in almost anything. They'll believe all kinds of stuff. And then they'll believe that their truth is just as true as the truth of Scripture. The truth of Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That we, when people refuse to believe in and follow Jesus, they, they walk in spiritual darkness. I mean, and, and this is true for religious people and irreligious people. We need, uh, we need to believe in and follow Jesus. We need... Uh, we need 
light. And we need to be, and, and, and so when we are, and, and this made sense to me when I wrote this, and so it may or may not make sense for you right now because this often happens. I'll write something for a message, and I'll look at it later, and I'll think, what the heck were you thinking when you wrote that, okay? Uh, many people who are religious are actually living in darkness because they trust in themselves and their rules instead of trusting in Jesus and his work of redemption. Did you hear that? Okay. That that many people who are religious are actually living in darkness because they trust in themselves and their rules instead of trusting in Jesus and his work of redemption. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to walk in the light? Um, What does it mean to be shaped by the gospel? There's a book called Shaped by the Gospel by Timothy Keller. And I'm reading this right now with our elders. And one of the things that, that Keller talks about is he, he talks about the gospel, rightly understood and applied, addresses many different kinds of things where we need light. You know, when we are shaped by the gospel and when we properly understand it, then it will guide us in how we should think about things like discouragement and depression. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. To just say, you know, you shouldn't be depressed really never helped anybody ever, okay? Uh, the truth is that sometimes we go through times of, of darkness and pain. And, 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 but I think that what we need is we need the gospel to shape us and how we figure out how to make it through our pain and depression. Does that make sense? That's part of what it looks like to be shaped by the gospel. That being shaped by the gospel, uh, that we want to do is 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 we want it to Jesus to be our guide in how we think about love and relationships, how we think about sexuality, how we think about family, how we think about self control, how we think about race and culture, how we think about what it means to be a witness for Jesus, how we think about government and human authority, how we think about guilt. In self-image, how we think about joy and humor, how we think about attitudes toward class. By the way, Christians oftentimes fail miserably. They may do well in one or two or three or five or, or six of these things or seven of these things and then fall really short in two or three. And they're very content to remain blind to it. But that, that's not what following Jesus looks like. Following Jesus looks like walking in the light so that we're being shaped by the gospel. Now, that may or may not make sense for you. If it doesn't, I apologize. Just my best shot. Number three, third point of application. Jesus is the light of the world because he is a faithful and true witness. And this is what I'm going to say to you. If you're not going to believe in Jesus, who or what will you believe in? If you believe that somehow the Bible really is not true from God, what will you believe in? Jesus is the light of the world because he is a faithful and true witness. And he's not alone in his witness because the Father also bear witnesses with him. This means we can trust him fully. Fourth point of application is this. As Jesus is the ultimate light of the world, we are the light of the world. We are, as followers of Jesus, Jesus says... That we're the light of the world. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world, says this. He says, hey, real quick, 
Is, did I put the scripture? Oh, I didn't put it in there. Okay. Sorry, Joe. My bad. He's doing perfect today. Okay. Uh, in John chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus says this. He says, you. That, that means you. That, that means you, Rudy. That means joy. That means every one of us. You. That means us. It means our church. We are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's you and me. The light. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What does it mean to be the light of the world? Let me tell you what it means. It means that we are going to love each other in a way. This doesn't mean we're not going to have conflict. We're probably going to have conflict. That's okay. People who love each other have conflict. I know this because I'm married. Okay? Uh, We want to love each other in a way. The first century church, the church in Jerusalem, they did this so fantastically that everybody else who were not believers, were looking at the Christians and how they were loving one another, and they were like, wow, this is amazing. And even some of their priests began to believe in Jesus. We want to love each other the way Jesus loves us in a way that the world pauses and says, there's something distinct and different about them from the rest of the world. We're the light of the world when we really do a fantastic job of loving one another. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Those are the words of Jesus. Number two. We're going to be the light of the world by being peacemakers, peacemakers in our community. Building bridges of peace, planting seeds of gospel peace by being peacemakers who work towards things like racial reconciliation in our world. In our world, our world just sees all of this stuff. Most of the brown faces that I am surrounded by on Thursday mornings come from parents who are illegal immigrants. I don't care what party you're from politically, but Jesus would love the illegal immigrant. He died for them. He died for them. And I believe that telling Those children about Jesus is what Jesus would do. But but when we go out of our way to build bridges, of love and goodwill, with people who look different from us, I think the world will look and say, you know what? There's something different with those people. What is it? Could it be Jesus? How can we be the light of the world? By, by showing the mercy and grace of Jesus to the marginalized of our community and world. By living out, listen, this one is really, really good. This is really good. If you're married, I want you to think about this. I prayed this for my son last night. And I prayed this for his bride-to-be. 
I prayed that their love for each other and their marriage would mirror Christ's love and affection for his bride, the church. That's what marriage is supposed to do. It's supposed to mirror Christ's love for his bride, the church. You know, a lot of people in our world, they've given up on marriage. Or some people have given up on marriage and just say, well, I'm not going to get married. I'll just live together with this other person. Or they give up on marriage and they seek a divorce. Or they give up on marriage, but they stay in it. But when we actually pursue the kind of intimacy and union that God desires for us, and people see that, we can be powerful witnesses for Jesus. What does it mean to be the light of the world for us? By sharing Christ with others every opportunity we get. You know, we need spiritual light and we need spiritual life. When people refuse to believe in and follow Jesus, they walk in spiritual darkness. Jesus is the light of the world because he is a faithful and true witness. And and Jesus is uh, the ultimate light of the world, but he wants us to be uh, the light of the world as well. Uh, what Jesus wants for us, what Jesus says, what Jesus says is this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Next week, we're going to talk about how you can experience freedom and what Jesus says to us about how we can be free from the power of sin in our lives. Let me pray for us. Uh, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on back up. Okay. Uh, God, you are good and you are awesome. Lord Jesus, we praise you and worship you because you are the light of the world. Lord, we want to follow you in all things. We want to follow you and, uh, and, and we want to be, uh, we want to be as Jesus is, as you are the light of the world, we want to be the light of the world as well in how we live out our relationships and how we interact with the people around us. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, Gary. And for the record, Indo Valley is at 8,638 feet. (laughs) I had to look it up. You were pretty spot on. Hey, folks, let's uh, let's stand together and let's sing one final time and let's walk out of here with gratitude and gratefulness on our hearts, gratefulness that Jesus is the light of the world, mm-hmm. gratefulness that he wants to partner with us in sharing and spreading his light and illuminating this world for the sake of the gospel for the sake of eternity. So let's, uh, let's sing one last time together. This is the day. This is the day. You have made whatever comes, I won't complain for all my hope 
is in your name, and now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing, Lord, I am grateful. I was down, you brought me out, and set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand, you are my God, your faithfulness, my solid rock. Let's give thanks. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. Lord, we are grateful. Grateful for who you are and for all you've done. Let's give thanks again. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is And I'm grateful each and every one of you are here today. Thank you for being here. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And see you back here tonight at 630 for Revival Prayer. Have a great day, everybody.